This is Weekly Dose of Wellness, brought to you by Memorial Care. Here's Deborah Howell. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Deborah Howell. Today our guest is Dr. Atif Iqbal, Medical Director of the Digestive Care Center at Orange Coast Medical Center. More than 17,000 people will be diagnosed with esophageal cancer this year. Untreated gastroesophageal reflux disease, or GERD, can cause precancerous changes called Barrett's esophagus. It's important to know the signs, symptoms, and prevention measures for esophageal cancer and how GERD can lead to this type of cancer if not addressed and treated properly. Welcome, Dr. Iqbal. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. Can we start with the definition of GERD, please? Yeah, GERD or gastroesophageal reflux disease is a progressive disease that occurs as a result of uh, chronic exposure of acid uh, um, in the esophagus, and that is mainly due to the weakness or incompetency of a ring-shaped muscle, which mm-hmm. is at the junction of the esophagus and the stomach. Normally, it prevents the backflow of the acid, but when it is not working well, then the acid continues to cause damage and uh, and moves upward, uh, which is normally not the case. I see. Now, if severe GERD goes untreated for a long period of time, how can it affect your overall health? Yeah, unfortunately, if GERD is continued and stayed for a long time, and especially for over five years, it uh, ultimately causes progressive damaging of the inner lining of esophagus. Mm-hmm. And that leads to, uh, you know, changes, um, and which subsequently over the period of time leads to a condition called Barrett's disease. Mm-hmm. And Barrett's disease is just a change in the inner lining of the esophagus, uh, which ultimately changes into precancer, unfortunately, and a cancer eventually. I see. So what is esophageal cancer then, and how common is it for someone to develop this type of cancer if they have severe untreated GERD? Yeah, so it is, uh, uh, esophageal cancer is a very unique cancer. Uh, It is unlikely, I would say, breast or colon cancer, which are considered 100% curable and more friendlier. It is a very aggressive cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, In the United States, there are two different types of esophageal cancer. One is the squamous cell, and the cause of that cancer is smoking and alcohol. I see. Uh, which is 10% of the U.S. population can, can unfortunately get that. 90% of the esophageal cancer is adenocarcinoma, which is a specific cancer that occurs because of the chronic gastroesophageal reflux disease or Barrett's disease. Okay. So it is common. The incidence has increased to up to 700% in the last 10 years. Goodness. And it's very unfortunate because of the uh, misdiagnosis or underdiagnosis that is progressively increasing. That's an astounding statistic. Yeah. Wow. What are some of the common symptoms then to look out for to avoid developing esophageal cancer? So um, the, the cause of the cancer, as I mentioned, is acid reflux. And uh, we have, if any patient who is suffering for any kind of acid reflux, it means heartburns, regurgitation, acid taste in their mouth, mm-hmm. a lot of bloating, and they take more than one or two pillows uh, every night uh, before sleeping. That's the sign that they already have a disease, but we really have to diagnose it uh, before we treat it. And that's the key of the everything uh, because 
that will lead to eventually beards and then cancer. Now, when the cancer eventually develops, unfortunately, it does come up with a, it complaints of weight loss. A patient noticed that he or she has a weight loss mm-hmm. um, and um, complete loss of appetite and sometimes um, bloody vomiting that mm-hmm. comes in the later stage. But uh, that is an, a little bit advanced stage, and obviously we want to diagnose and treat much earlier than yes. that. Yes, so important to catch it early. Now, are GERD and esophageal cancer more common with women or men? Yes, so studies have shown that the men has three times more uh, higher incidence of developing cancer, mm-hmm. esophageal cancer, and also uh, it has shown ethnicity-wise, uh, Caucasian population has much higher incidence of uh, esophageal cancer versus mm-hmm. African Americans. Okay, so important for everybody to catch it, but certainly yes. for white males to uh, really keep an eye on this. Yes, Okay. absolutely. Are there measures that someone can take to avoid developing GERD to begin with? I think uh, um, we can start from basic lifestyle changes, eating healthy and not eating fried food and maintaining your weight, avoiding too much caffeine or chocolate. And occasionally, uh, in literature, we say uh, spices and stuff. Mm-hmm. So the weight gain and diet modification uh, and increase uh, strenuous exercises, which increases intra-abdominal pressure, mm-hmm. can cause hiatal hernias as well. Okay. And the herniation of the stomach into the chest can also lead to GERD. So I think these things, um, um, on a daily basis changes and uh, eat, living a healthy life, Mm-hmm. can absolutely prevent the GERD. Now, when you say, I have to go back to an excess of chocolate because, of course, <laughs> all, you know, all women, most men love it. So when you say, you know, don't have too much chocolate, you can have a little, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I think just everything or anything in moderation is perfectly fine. Okay, fantastic. Phew. Okay, so don't take my chocolate away. All right. What are the steps that someone should take if they feel like they may be suffering from extreme GERD or maybe developing a more progressed stage of uh, GERD? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And um, in life we live, we have, all of us get busy and, uh, you know, can't find time. But I think these things uh, should not be ignored. Mm-hmm. First thing they have to do is go to their primary care physician and have a very open discussion about it and uh, uh, ask them that, hey, I've been taking this over-the-counter medication or somebody prescribed me, but I really want to have this diagnosed mm-hmm. properly. Yes. So I think that would be the first step to do, and then I, I'm, I'm sure the primary care physician will refer them to gastroenterologist for upper endoscopy, which is a very short procedure. takes about five minutes. Mm-hmm. And they will be able to put a camera through the mouth uh, and visualize directly the esophagus and stomach to see if there are mm-hmm. any early changes that are concerning and what we have to do about that. And when you go to your GP uh, for your annual visit, do they do anything uh, to try to determine if there are GERD so symptoms? The, so the standard uh, examination primary care physician does not include an analysis or screening of any kind for the GERD. I think the Mm -hmm. primary care physician in our community mostly rely on patient's history. And if there are any complaints relevant to that, they may go ahead and uh, send them to the gastroenterologist. But that's not as common as as it should be. 
Now, you have said primary care physician a couple of times, which leads me to believe I was saying something old school when I said GP, as in general practitioner. Um, can you tell me the difference or, or what it, I should it, it is pretty much the same thing. Okay. <laughs> and everybody call it different based. Some people call it a family practice. Some okay. people call it primary care or general practitioner. Basically, they're internal medicine spe- specialists, uh-huh. uh, and their re- responsibility uh, uh, is to uh, maintain and evaluate the common health issues and common medical problems and manage them and then refer them to an appropriate specialist. Right. So I won't be offending my primary care physician <laughs> if I call him a GP. No, you okay. will not. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else, final thoughts on, on GERD? Um, I think, uh, I think once again, uh, uh, an important thing in this um, uh, topic is definitely to not to wait. Um, Barrett's disease is a, a bridge between a GERD and a cancer. Okay. And when Barrett's come, this is already a red flag that cannot be ignored. The patients with Barrett's needs to have a surveillance endoscopy, which means an, a checkup of their esophagus and mm-hmm. stomach every year okay. to make sure the cancer cells are precancer cells are not changing into cancer because they need a treatment for that and the treatment has to be provided once it's diagnosed. And um, then obviously uh, the treatment is also based on what diagnosis and what stage the disease is based mm-hmm. on that. We offer the treatment for that. Okay. Uh, one more important thing is that the, a lot of patients with Bear's disease have have si- silent personalities. What does that mean? They do not have any symptom and they do have acid reflux. Besides that, um, they think that's maybe g- general complaint, mm-hmm. but nobody will ever actually know what the Barrett's will be there and mm-hmm. how would it present unless you have an advanced disease, which is cancer that has weight loss and all the things we talked about. Right. So forearmed is forewarned. Absolutely. Stay on it, stay on it, stay on it. Thank you so much, Dr. Iqbal, for joining us today. We really appreciate having you on the show. Thank you so much. So informative. To listen to the podcast or for more information, please visit memorialcare.org slash podcasts. That's memorialcare.org slash podcasts. And don't forget to see your primary care physician once a year. I'm Deborah Howell. Join us again next time as we explore another weekly dose of wellness. Have a fantastic day.